welcome to 10x growth strategies podcast this is your host preeti padmanabhan technology executive investor and board member today we will feature the book presentation secrets of steve jobs by carmine gallo our guest today is connie kwan who is the founder ceo and chief storyteller at product maestro i met connie at the high power women's network offsite last year in santa cruz she's an inspiring product and marketing leader connie welcome to 10x growth podcast thank you priti connie tell us about yourself your current role and past highlights from your career of course i wear two hats i ship product and i tell stories i do both of those under my brand the product maestro on the product side I've shipped Atlassian's Marketplace, Microsoft's news app, and an Ethereum layer 2 during my career. I shipped a bunch of other things too, but too long to get into it right now. And currently, I advise founders who need product advice on SaaS or Web3 products. On the story side, three things are happening. First, I'm teaching a storytelling class for startup founders and senior product managers. My students they learn about the proprietary storyteller type system that we've created and the system simplifies storytelling to help them win investors, customers and executives. We've even had a student that took our class. Um he raised 750k for his startup after taking the class. So we're pretty excited about the results we're able to drive with that. Um uh, the second thing that's happening is we're relaunching the product maestro newsletter. and i used to write about once a month um but starting in in march uh we're going to have much more rich content and my hope is to use this platform to help people get better storytelling so i'm really passionate about the storytelling side because i feel like in my career it's been trial and error process for learning how to become more influential and to use storytelling in my work and this process can really be sped up by turning it into more of a science. So that's what we're doing with the storytelling side of what I do. Sounds super cool. Uh, wow, I think there's going to be a bunch of audience that might reach out to you to get the storytelling insights and uh, the, the way you helped the student raise 750,000 after just taking the class. Uh, that sounds exciting and this is the perfect book for us to talk about uh, with you in terms of storytelling. So let's jump right in. Tell us why you chose to read the book Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. Because I believe that storytelling is a learned skill. And the way to learn the skill is to observe the masters and pull the lessons that they teach to eat for each of us. And Steve Jobs is one of those masters. He's really famous for what people call his reality distortion field. Yeah, I was uh, really intrigued by that term when I first heard it in the book and later they gave an example of how he created that reality distortion when he was uh, trying to recruit uh, a CEO for uh, Apple. Uh so we'll get into more of that as we talk about uh, the book. But tell us what are your top takeaways from the book? I'm going to share three takeaways. The first one for me was the role of threes. And the second was use zippy words. 
And the third one is to share the stage. Um, do you want me to describe briefly what each of those are? Would love that, please do. Sure. Uh, the rule of three is what I just demonstrated, which is answer in threes, because that's more memorable. Um, in another book that I read about storytelling and presentation, um, the rule of three is also how our minds think in a pattern, because three items or three data points create a pattern, and our minds think in patterns. So it follows that, you know, for communication, the rule of three is really powerful. Um, and there's so many examples. In fact, I'm in the middle of writing a blog post for this rule, right, is to talk more about how it shows up literally everywhere in pricing, in communication, in data, everything. Um, the second takeaway was to use zippy words. And in one presentation that Jobs did, he said, and this was for a launch that, that he was saying this, and I quote, the buttons on the Macintosh screen look so good that you want to lick them. How cool is that? You want to lick them. Like the word lick is so unexpected. It puts a grin on your face. And it also has this emotion associated with it. You know, it reminds you of licking your ice cream on a hot, on a hot summer day, how delicious that feels. So I love how if you put in a word that just really shortcuts the emotion that you want to bring to the story you're telling, um, it's so powerful. So use zippy words, uh, the second takeaway. And the third takeaway that I love is sharing the stage. So one example he gave in the book was uh, when Apple went, went live, uh, they basically replaced the processor with Intel back in 2006. So Jobs invited the CEO of Intel, Paul Ottolini, to the stage. And together they presented you know, the partnership and, and the launch. Um, and then an, an unexpected guest that he even had on stage once was Bill Gates. You know, So he was not shy to invite all kinds of people on the stage uh, with him and be storytelling with him. And I find that extremely powerful. And so I'm going to work on doing more of that in my storytelling as well. Excellent. Those are great points for people to take away. Zippy words. I need to start using more of those. Yeah. <laughs> I was intrigued by the idea of creating an experience for the audience rather than boring them with PowerPoint. Like PowerPoint is ruling our life. <laughs> so how do you go about creating experiences for your audience? Would love to hear any examples. Yeah, I actually think PowerPoint is really great when you use it really well, because it's such a fast way to give people a visual experience, right? And as you may know, 40% uh, there are, there are three different learning styles. There's vi uh, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, right? And 40% of the population is visual. So you're hitting almost half the people by having something visual when you present. So that itself is really powerful. I think you can use powers for good or evil. And what happens is a lot of people end up putting everything in their mind on that slide, right? They use it as a note-taking device rather than as a visual device. So, you know, I would say um, 
one of the principles in the book that they bring up is uh, what they call the multimedia principle. And essentially you have five senses. Some people have six, okay? All of them want attention. And when you're engaging people, you need to be touching all the senses. So, you know, if you can use your PowerPoint to focus on the visual experience, but don't forget about the other parts, right? Don't forget about um, the auditory experience. What are you saying? You know, are you saying it in excited ways and changing up your tones and volume uh, versus just, I'm going to speak like a robot the whole time and you can look at my pretty slides, right? Like there are different ways you can control your voice. Um, and then tactile, tactile, you can pass something around, um, give them a demo they can play with, give them a screen they can click on. Those are all very tactile things for tactile learners. So to not forget about that, I think is important. And PowerPoint is powerful because it gives you the visual part, but that's like 40%. Do you have to fill in the rest? Wow. I actually, uh, when I was reading the book and they talked about all these visual and tactile and auditory cues, I was just thinking about how powerful uh, the Steve Jobs presentations got as a result of that, where you could touch and feel uh, whatever they were launching, be it the iPhone or any sort of new Mac device. Uh, certainly great inputs there. And I loved your uh, voice modulation that you did right now. Really super cool. Um, what about passion? Uh, I also saw in the book, there was a big emphasis on having a passion statement and having a vision to change the world, not just sell a product. Why is it important to have passion for, for what you're presenting? And how does one bring passion to their presentation? Yeah, uh, you talked about both passion and vision there. So I want to break those two apart and talk about each one. Because vision, let's talk about the vision part. The vision part is, is bread and butter for product managers, right? That's what we do is we figure out, okay, how do we position this as something we can all rally around as a team? That Well, first that I can rally around as, as an individual, but then get my team to rally around. Um, and that's the work of all leaders, really. All leaders, CEOs, functional leaders, et cetera. So, you know, don't just sell a product, right? If you're pitching... You're to, if you're pitching somebody to work for you and your pitch is, well, come work for me, you're going to make widgets for me and then you're going to get a paycheck and make me rich, right? Like what kind of pitch is that? That's not a great pitch. But here are some other vision statements from maybe you can guess which companies it is. I'm going to put it out there and then you can tell me if you know. This one is organizing the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. That's Google. Yeah, that's Google's vision statement, right? Um, they're not just selling ads, like, because that's what they actually do. <laughs> they sell ads, but no, they have a bigger mission behind that. And they actually do live up to that, right? Um, here's another one. We're in the business to save our home planet. Wow, which one is that? Uh, that one is a clothing company, actually. Do you know which one? Outdoor uh, clothing company. Outdoor, um, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's Patagonia. Oh, nice. I love yeah. their jackets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the reason they started this company is because they love the outdoors. They want to get more people out and they believe in this mission. So they donate, you know, back to the cause that they care about and their employees love working there because that's their statement. That's what they care about. And they live it through 
um, their own culture. So, you know, this vision part's really important. And it starts with um, one or a group of people coming together and thinking through what is our bigger purpose so that we can communicate that bigger purpose with the team, with my audience, right? Um, people don't want to just buy your product anymore. Like I feel like gone are the days. It used to be that you buy something because you need it. I feel like we, we are now so lucky that we have a lot of things we need and we buy things because we love it. We buy things because it represents us as, as a, you know, our values and our brand and we buy it because we support what they're doing. Um, so this vision part is becoming even more important for brands. Then you ask about the passion part and how you would go about bringing passion. And passion, again, is a huge thing for products. So I spent a lot of time thinking about passion and how to bring that through, right, in my communication. Um, I wrote an article a while ago on the five attributes that I hired for in product managers. And the one top one of five attributes is actually passion. Because you can't motivate other people unless you're personally passionate about something. Um, in fact, I'm going to tell you a story about how we instinctively understand passion, right? So I have a six-year-old daughter, and when I tell her we're going to the trampoline park, her shoes are on, her grin is on, and she's waiting at the door 15 minutes early, okay? When we're going to the dentist, the whiny voice comes out, she's too tired to walk, and we're 30 minutes late. So the first one is passion, right? The first one is waking up in the morning and feeling excited about what you're doing. So it's very natural. Like we know, we understand passion, we see it, we demonstrate passion when we have it. Um, and so when you say like, how do we bring that to a presentation? You have it. Passion is like love, like you can't give love unless you have love. And passion is the same thing. You can't give passion unless you have it. So the first thing to do is have it, like truly have it, truly, love waking up in the morning and feeling excited about what you're doing. Um, and once you have that trampoline park attitude, then when you present, it's going to naturally come through. For, for like 90% of the people, it's going to come through, at least 10% is going to come through, okay? Then you can increase that ratio. For some people, it's like 100% all the time. You don't have to train them. If you can convince them, they'll have passion and they'll convince everybody else. For a lot of people, they're a little bit more reserved through nature or nurture, they're more reserved. They don't wanna just share everything they're feeling. So then they're more expressing at the 10%, but they're still expressing. You can't not express passion, it's very hard. So then the work is, okay, how do I increase that exposure of my passion, right? Um, and there are these techniques that we learn for doing that. Lovely, lovely. Looking forward to hear about all these techniques for passion. Maybe I should call my dentist and have her install a trampoline in her office. <laughs> that's that's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, love love that. Love that example. And it's a, you're a natural storyteller. I can see that. It's really amazing. So tell us what are some elements from Jobs' presentation style you have embraced in your presentation style. Simplicity. I love, love, love his examples of simplicity, how he takes what would otherwise be uh, highly technical, very jargon, and definitely for his audience at the time, complicated products, right? And really think about, well, what are they trying to accomplish? 
the iPod example was great, right? Where he said, you can now put a thousand songs in your pocket. Remember, this is at a time, I mean, it's obvious now, like when you hear that statement, you're like, okay, it's obvious. Of course, you're going to advertise iPods and music players according to how many songs they fit. But at the time, it wasn't obvious because there was a company called Creative. There were like 30 other Chinese companies that were shipping iPod. Like iPod was not first, actually. iPod was much later. There was a year of other music players that was already on the market and very sophisticated and store a lot of songs. They probably saw 3,000 songs, like some of them. And they fail to connect with the audience, you know, because they'll tell you not how many songs they store. They'll say how many megabytes they can store. They'll say, I don't even know, like bullet points. <laughs> it's like PowerPoint failure, right? Bullet points of things you get with this little plastic jiggy that gets shipped to you. And you're like, what do I do with that? Why do I care about that, right? I care about songs in my pocket, right? And so he basically took all that stuff and just threw it out and said, you get a thousand songs in your pocket, done. Mic drop, walk off the stage, right? So I love the simplicity. And, you know, Leonardo da Vinci says, simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. Yeah, we have a quote in our office, right? If you wouldn't say that to somebody else when you meet them in a bar, then don't put that on your slide as a value <laughs> statement. <laughs> we don't go and say we are building a cloud-based distribution system that can operate at 1000 megahertz. So no, we wouldn't say that to somebody at a bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, the bar test. I like it. Is that after a drink or before the drinks? <laughs> Both. <laughs> that's a good one. You know what else is hilarious here? Because um, you and I both live in Bay Area and we're in a bubble where when you drive on our highway, our main highway, you get these billboards. And in every other city in the country, the billboards are TGI Fridays, X restaurant, um, entertainment, whatever, like things that everybody can relate with. Here we get databases, like Redis <laughs> would advertise. And of course their ads would be like PowerPoint slides, right? It's so hilarious. You cannot understand it if you were not in the business. They, they, they don't pass the bar test in your case. So I find it quite, quite interesting. Um, but you know, they're talking to a different audience, right? I think in that case, they deliberately make it um, only understandable to some of the people driving by and maybe it works. Well, it at least gets their brand out. So that's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what are some other tips you have? I love the simplicity angle. Well, one of the things I do in my presentations when I make a deck is I set a goal for myself for getting each slide down to either one word one number or one image. And I consider myself successful if I can get as many of my slides down to that as possible. It, it won't be possible for all the slides, to be honest, right? At the, towards the end or about middle, about 60% of the way into a slide deck, you need to put some what people would call substance and detail, uh, especially for the people who are visual, they want to see, right? It's hard to process in especially internal conversations with a lot of complexity. You do want to put in some of those visual cues for them to follow you along with you. 
Um, but for the definitely for the intro, right? When you're trying to grab their attention, and for the end, when you're just trying to say these are the next steps, this is what we're heading, you know, this is your one takeaway, right? My goal is to try and get that down into one word, one number, or one image. Wow, that's really amazing. That would be a good one to aspire towards uh, for sure. So I saw that you run a storytelling class for leaders. Tell us about the class and what will the audience gain by attending the class? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the class is built for business storytelling and you can use storytelling no matter your role, really. Uh, you view hire people, you use storytelling when you are convincing them that this is a great team to join and that you're a great manager to work with. Uh, if you're raising money as a startup founder, you're convincing investors, right? Uh, and if you have a project, you're entrepreneur instead of an entrepreneur, you're raising awareness and budget for your project and for your team. So you're using influence everywhere, using storytelling everywhere. And I have students who come in uh, who may be job transitioning who need storytelling to brush up their resume and talk about their own offering, their own services, what they do. So you can use storytelling everywhere. And one of the best investments you can make in your own career as soon as possible is to get better storytelling. So I hope you read this book, read all those resources you can on storytelling. And if you want practice, which is what we do, um, then consider taking the class because we go through a couple things. We teach you the system for turning storytelling from an art into more of a science. Um, we have a storyteller type system that classifies folks into one of six different storyteller types. So you take a quiz and you find out which one you are. And the idea is you can take the same quiz, but with questions flipped uh, and understand who your audience is, right? So let's say I am type four. That's not what they're called, but just for simplicity here, I'm four and Preeti, you're two, right? That means there's a distance between you and me, which means I need to adapt my messaging so that you can more easily get excited about it. You know, not just understand it. Like our goal is to have you get excited about it. So if I want you to be excited about it, then I had to speak in your language, in your terms and how you think about it, um, all the way down to the narrative, all the way down to the exact story that would get you there. Um, one of the stories, for example, that we like to talk about is, let's say I want to convince you to go climb Mount Everest with me, Pretty. Right? And there are different angles I can take with this, right? I can use different narratives. I can say, oh, Pretty, wouldn't it be great to get to the top and put the flag into the ground, right? That's one narrative. That's a very goal-oriented narrative. Um, or I can say, hey, Pretty, we're going to bring some beer with us and we're going to bring our best friends with us. It's going to be a girl's trip and we're just going to be a great time. You know, you should just come. It's going to be a great time. No mention about the goal. No mention about the top. It's not even clear we're going to get to the top. <laughs> we're going to try, right? So different emphasis, right? Um, and kind of very different narrative here that we can use. And there's like six different kinds here. So we talk about, okay, you're trying to get these people on this trip with you, on this journey with you, on this project with you. What do you use? Like, how do you get them excited? And for each person, it's going to be different. We we demystify this and we have a system for demystifying it. And then we have that practice platform, right? Which I talked about where you can practice with your peers, you're in the community, you get feedback from me, you get feedback from other people, you get a place where you can safely share your stories and get feedback. Because we're not 
we're all born storytellers and we can all get better. So it's all about practice and having a safe place to put your stuff out there, see what comes back, see how it lands and then refining it. That's where it's at. Love it, love it. How do we sign up? You can go to my website, www.productmaestro.com and you can see more details there. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Are there any additional insights you have for the audience, Connie? This has been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, I want to leave everybody with one thought, which is that you are a storyteller. You are born a storyteller. It's in your DNA. You can't be anything else. That's how brains are wired. That's why you like listening to stories. And because you like listening to stories, you know how to form stories. So if you want to become more influential, then I encourage you to unlock your inner storyteller. I get people who tell me, oh, I'm terrible at telling stories. I'm like, you'll get better at it. You know, it's, it's in your DNA. You can't not be. Um, and I wish everyone that's listening much success in becoming excellent storytellers and connectors. Excellent. Let's all unlock our inner storyteller. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. The book is Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. And thank you, Connie, for being our guest today. Thanks, Crazy.